Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, we have a special guest. I am so pleased to welcome Miss Julaine Keene, who was the Campus Dining Services Director here at Mizzou for over 25 years. Welcome, Julaine. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you so much for your time and your commitment to the Tiger family, but also beyond. You are an avid listener of this podcast. Yes, I hate to ever miss. I'm one of those who listens every time and gives you feedback. So and- <laughs> thank you for allowing me. It's a great privilege. The privilege is all ours because we have so much we know we can learn from you. And so we're hoping to be able to continue some series like this where we can just have conversations with some of our listeners and hear from your leadership experience, maybe some of those points or practices that you found most beneficial as well. So uh, that's where we're going to go today. But I want to, before we get there, Julaine, I want to just talk a little bit about you, if that's all right. Boring. (laughs) Oh, no, no. (laughs) Um, Julaine, you, again, you were the Campus Dining Services Director uh, for over 25 years. Before that, you were the Assistant Campus Dining Services Director. So total of over 30 years of service in this area. And you retired in 2018. Tell me a little bit about you. How did you get into that role? Um, and, and where did that leadership passion come from? Well, way back, I was a teacher. So I taught at the junior and senior high level for two years and then got my master's degree and was interested in the food area. So I was a manager at the University of Northern Iowa for five to six years and then went to Mizzou to be assistant director and learn as much as I could from the previous director. And then transitioned and then stayed in that role to director for 25 years. What kept you in that role? You know, when I first went into college, university food service, I thought, oh, you know, you see the same customers. You do the same thing every day, day in, day out. Well, was I ever wrong? (laughs) Um, When I became a manager, no two days were the same. There were challenges throughout. Um, There was never a boring day. We had opportunities to create new concepts, to develop new restaurants, to build buildings, to renovate, to do about anything we wanted to do related to taking care of our customer, Mm -hmm. making that customer happy with what they were, their dining experience, and just being able to delight them, surprise them with different food options or things that we could do. It was it was a really fun time, as well as working with the staff and developing a team. Hmm. Very gratifying and a wonderful experience. So no regrets, no boring days. <laughs> Believe me, um, new things every day. Oh, that's wonderful. We're going to get to that. You mentioned there the the developing teams, and we are going to get to that on this podcast um, because I want to hear your tips and tools uh, when it comes to your abilities to develop uh, such great teams through the years. But tell me, I guess, since retirement now, what have you been up to? Well, it started out with um, traveling. So I got to go to Europe a couple of times, visited friends, uh, got to stay with them and help help the the former director recovered from knee surgery 
as well as help he and his wife then move and relocate from Pennsylvania to Florida over the summer and then spend time with them after they moved to Florida. I was doing that when COVID hit. Oh, boy. So then I um, went back to Missouri and and I was there in Columbia, um, decided that I would relocate closer to family. I went through the decision tree many, many times, but decided, yes, I better give up the warmer weather of Columbia and go back to northern Iowa where my family is and um, ended up building a home here. And so selling my home there, moving here to a new home. And that pretty much took the time. Okay, that sounds like a lot that you got in during that time. Tell tell me your favorite part you mentioned in Europe. Did you have a favorite place you stayed? Oh, favorite places. Um, We were biking along the Danube and uh, any any of those scenes are just so beautiful. It was awesome. Oh, I want to be you when I grow up, Julaine. (laughs) (laughs) I I was fortunate. Yeah. Yes, that sounds like a really neat opportunity, but a very well-deserved opportunity as well, all those years in leadership. So take me through your leadership journey. When you think back, did you have a, uh, a mentor that you really looked to as you uh, can look to get into a leadership position? Well, when I was a manager, that was mainly trial and error. Mm. <laughs> as a manager, I was working with full-time staff as well as student staff. And... It, a lot of trial and error, but the, if you enjoy interacting with people, it's it's wonderful to build those relationships. Then when I went to Mizzou, I went there with the purpose of learning from the previous director, from Jim Corner. And it, it was well worth the five years of working with him. I really learned about the value of relationships mm-hmm. and developing trust and respect among each other, which then can lead to a really good team. Also sharing the same values. So I would put Jim Corner as my main mentor. Mm-hmm. And Tom Shampoo with the Effectiveness Institute is retired now, but he was with the Effectiveness Institute in Washington at that time. And he really knows leadership. And to really be a good and effective leader, you have to know yourself. And then how can you effectively get things done through others? Mm-hmm. And knowing, well, what's their, what are their wants and needs? And how do you establish those positive relationships so that people want to work together and they want to reach that common goal? Mm-hmm. You hit a lot there on the things that we talk about, too, and that idea of leadership, because it does have to be that element of self-awareness first, and then definitely focusing on being intentional in those mm-hmm. relationships. So I'll be curious about your tips when we talk about the developing teams, too. But I, I want to know before we get there, any favorite memories that you have as a leader? One of the most, and it was um, kind of concluding one. But it was when we opened uh, the restaurants at Southwest in 2017. That team that developed that concept worked together for four years. So we were all the way from it was a brand new building, whole new concept and blank slate. So what did we want to create that students of today and tomorrow would find appealing to them? So we got there were about nine or ten of us 
that worked together for that four-year period, the same team the whole time to develop the concept, develop the vision for it, and then design and implement it. Hmm. The actual building design, the selection of the equipment, the development of the menu, because really it starts with the menu and what the menu will drive everything else. So that was the most effective team that I've seen perform. Awesome. Just awesome. I bet. And um, how much energy coming to that team and, and, and knowing how well you all were performing together because all the foundation had been laid there. Um, how much momentum did that give you to keep pushing the process forward when maybe there were lulls in some of the construction or, you know, whatever the situation may be with that creation? How did that momentum, how did you gain momentum from others? The momentum, I think, came from our small successes along the way. So as we could plan something and then be able to implement it, it really kept kept the ball rolling. Like, oh, this is you know the excitement level because we we had the construction of a new building. In the meantime, we were operating in the old building. Hmm. So taking that whole team along, the, all the people who were going to be implementing it and opening the new operation, taking those people along with us was important, the communication, then demolishing that old building after we'd opened the new one. So the, the whole process is real energizing. And yes, there are things to overcome along the way, but by overcoming those challenges or coming up with a solution, then we could move on to the next step. And we had quite a few things going on simultaneously. So that core group of about nine or 10 of us would meet every week or every two weeks, depending, and bring everybody up to date on where we were, keep keep the communication open so we, everybody knew what was going on, and then could share that with others in the department or within that unit that was going to open the new building and the new operation. That's great. And I appreciate that you acknowledged, you know, that sometimes there would be some obstacles to overcome. And so as you think back through your leadership uh, journey, is there any big um, aha moments as far as maybe pitfalls you succumbed to in that? Uh, now, if you, you know, knew then what you know now, you would have done a little differently? Some of the things, certainly communication is essential. And then building those relationships is essential. I've gone back and forth in my head uh, a lot about the value of values. So values and what people find really, really important are very essential in selecting staff members. Hmm. The selection process, if you can find people who share the same values, then they can develop trust and respect and positive relationships. It doesn't mean that everybody needs to think alike because we really need the diversity of perspectives. But if they can share the same values of what's really, really important, such as customer service or um, fairness, respect of each other, treating each other with respect, then it really jumpstarts that team. Some really great points you mentioned there. Uh, what would you say your leadership style is like? My leadership style is very participative. I like to have people involved. I want to hear all their perspectives. I'm fine to make the final decision and be responsible for the final decision. But I really want to hear and have that input. Then communication. 
I share information, anything I can very openly, because I think everybody deserves to know what's going on and why. So what's happening within the department? What's happening within the university? And taking everybody along with me on that journey of where we're headed and how we can get there. But I really feel communication is very important. And those who think communication is power and they want to hold it, I would encourage them to share that information and let everybody have that power, uh, that, that knowledge and help them develop and grow that way. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. And I, I can just sense that uh, that style emitting from you from the moment I met you, Julaine, that participatory style. And I, I appreciate that about you. When you're looking at the campus dining, you had many, many students working for you. In your opinion, is there a difference in really leading young people maybe versus leading adults? And and what would that difference be if there is one? I, I really think all people want to know what's expected of them and what they can expect in return. So I think clear expectations are important. Maybe the way they're communicated um, to students might be different from full-time staff. Certainly with full-time staff, you've got more time with them Mm. as they might be there for eight or more hours a day where students might be there from two to three. But I I still feel that um, everybody wants to know the expectations and then I don't think anybody goes to work every day trying to figure out how can I not meet those expectations? <laughs> I screw up today. Uh, we so, hope not. <laughs> yeah, really. So communication is important and sharing of information. I think all staff members want to know how and that they do make a difference. Why am I coming here? Why am I investing in this? Well, look at that happy customer. You think you can make their day? by serving them one of their favorites, if it's lasagna or if it's macaroni and cheese or if it's toasted ravioli. So I think if they want to know that they can make a difference. I think relationships are important. I think students who work with us, the student staff, build relationships with the staff members at that unit that they last a lifetime Mm -hmm. because it's like their second family. Right. And what a neat opportunity for those student workers to see um, all these leadership practices modeled for them. You know, so I just a big kudos to you. And I, w- I really do want to say that, Julaine, um, you know, because I do know we mentioned this before. I saw that with your retirement, there was the creation of the Julaine Keene Dining Services Scholarship Fund. And so what a testament to your leadership approach while you were there. I just want to applaud you once again. Well, all you did there, it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> You've influenced a lot of lives. Well, I was very honored, very honored to have that scholarship put in my name. If there's a way we can help those student staff members get through school, they're working, yes. And they are earning while they're working, of course. But if they can also benefit from a scholarship that will help them ease some of that burden, I think it's absolutely wonderful. You know, let's talk a little bit. I'm going to transition gears because I'm curious. I hear a lot of of this kind of empowering um, your team members. I'm hearing a little bit about uh, bringing them along and helping them uh, see the impact of their work as well, knowing that they made a difference. How did you motivate your team? My personal philosophy is that I can't motivate anybody They have to motivate themselves. Now, what I can do is give them opportunities 
or set them up for success and give them opportunities to develop and grow. For different people, that can be different things. So that might be, oh, could I uh, go to this seminar? Or could I learn from the executive chef? Could I learn to take inventory? I've never done that before. I'd like to learn. We can give them opportunities. Um, Other things, the benefit packages, maybe that's something that's of high motivation to some people because they know the university has great benefits. It might be that, oh, you know, if I get in as a food service worker, one in campus dining services, I could be promoted to a two and then a three and then a four. Maybe I could even become an assistant manager someday or the university will pay for 75% of my tuition. Hmm. If I'm a full-time staff member and I pass my probation. Wow. What an awesome opportunity. And we've had people get their bachelor's degrees that way or move on and get a master's degree. Sure. So I, I think we can give staff members opportunities and then they decide whether or not that motivates them. Right. And I'm so grateful you said that, Julaine, because that's exactly um, what, you know, our, our feelings here are as well. You, you can't you can't motivate somebody. Everyone's motivated for their own reasons. Um, and so you're absolutely right. Speaking to those uh, those ideas of, of what is important to them as individuals and seeing our people as individuals. So really great points. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I want to give time to this idea of developing teams. I know this is really where uh, you have a passion. You you enjoy that process, that particular process in leadership. And so uh, talk about the important role of the leader in developing teams. If the leader has that responsibility, I think it starts with selection, selection of staff members, And looking for diversity as well, because we want that wide perspective to get everybody's thoughts and inputs of how they see things so that we can come up with the best solution to a challenge or the highest performing team. And I really think I think of the four stages of developing a team where (laughs) you form a team and then storm, because the next step is after people get to know each other, there's going to be some storming. And then they can norm and then they can really perform. And sometimes as you get new team members, you know, it never stays all the same. That was so what was so unique about our restaurants at Southwest team was we had the same players the whole four years. Rarely would that happen. So in the midst of you're forming a team and you go through that form, storm, norm, perform, and then some of the team members change. Mm-hmm. So then what it might mean, and even if the team members stay the same, you can go back and you might get from form to storm to norm. And then, shoot, we slip back and we're storming again. Mm. <laughs> Why is there this bickering in, in, you know, internally? And the goal is to work through those that storming phase as quickly as you can. Get through the norming so we all kind of know we can know what we can expect from each other. We know how we can perform and then get to that really performance level, the high performing team where people are working together. They can almost you know, solve their own challenges because they know each other so well. They communicate effectively. They look at something from all different perspectives and then they come up with what they feel is the best solution 
try it. If it doesn't work, we revise, but we keep going. We're resilient. We help each other get through those challenges. We had a full-time staff advisory group in campus signing services. So there's a full-time staff member from each of the, representing each of the um, operations. And we got together every, usually four times a year. We had one of those groups that was performing at such a high level. I could introduce a topic and they would discuss it and then come up with recommendations. I was like, wow, all I had to do was sit back and watch because they performed at such a high level. And it was very similar for the restaurants at Southwest team. By that time, they had experiences. They had, um, we had diversity on the, on the group as far as perspectives. They could take an issue like, oh, well, we've got this challenge with design. What could we do to solve it? They're, yes, they want, they have to put a shaft right through the middle of our, our kitchen where we put <laughs> something else. Okay, now what can we do to overcome that? So they become a, a team that can take on an issue. They can come up with solutions and they could, they have to share the same vision and they can implement their, it's, it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to have that happen, to see it. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting, and I know in, in referencing Tuckman's model there, the, the four stages of team development, um, the storming part is what's interesting is a lot of organizations try and like steer clear of that. But there's a lot because people don't like conflict. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of good that comes out of that particular stage. Can you speak to that a little bit, Julaine, in your experience? Yes, I would say, you know, it on the storming, if all of the players on the team can begin with the end in mind and see what they can learn from the other person. Like, okay, you say this, which is different from what I'm thinking. Tell me more about why you're saying that. Tell me more. So seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So listen, really listening to the other person and being open, because if we take, may we learn even one little nugget from that and we put it with our other nuggets of information and we create something that's even better than what we thought was possible. Absolutely. And that's that's when you you really feel like. You've done you've done well as a leader on a team, I'm sure, when we're finding those things that we didn't even realize were opportunities in the first place. So it's great synergy. It is. It absolutely is. What others we think about this? um, You know, I, I know that they're beyond the storming stage. Are there other obstacles that leaders have to overcome when developing teams? I think there are always obstacles. And if you can't think of one, don't worry about it because one will appear <laughs> on its own. <laughs> so it, it might be something as, as simple as this person isn't contributing. Um, students have, have projects that they do, group projects probably face that a lot. So there, there's somebody who's not contributing like the others are on the team. But, but then I think it's fair for the team members or the leader to have a private conversation with that person. Try to find out what's happening. What's going on with that individual that either their performance has changed or maybe it's never been at the level 
that it could be. And see if you can work with that person individually on how they could contribute to the team, the value that they can have for it, um, clarifying the vision for where they're headed. And then it's going to end up being up to that team member if they're going to contribute, mm-hmm. be an effective member of the team, or if they might be happier someplace else. <laughs> as, as that sounds. And everybody shares the same values and maybe they'd be happier on a different team. As, uh, as Ray would often say, we can free them up for their future. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> well, and I, I love that what, what you started out with there is not jumping to assumptions or conclusions to actually sit down and to try and understand what might be going on in that individual's world. And when I think of that in kind of the, the framework of where we've been over the last two years, mm-hmm. I mean, people are still coming out of the, um, I don't want to call it turmoil, but in some way it did feel like turmoil of, of the pandemic. And so recognizing that, that maybe there are things that are going on outside of the scope of work that have to be addressed to help make them a more effective team member. So thank you for, for saying that, Julaine. Definitely starting with that conversation first rather than assumptions. And the university even has the employee assistance program also mm-hmm. that if someone's dealing with some issues at home that are really challenging that maybe there's some resources available to help. Right. Absolutely. And that's, and know those as the leader of your organization, definitely, uh, or even a, you know, the, the manager or supervisor having this conversation, know what those resources are and have those readily available. If you, you know, if you think that one of your team members might need that, um, don't put on a counselor hat. We're not counselors, or at least I'm not, but um, definitely at least knowing the business of your business, which would include those accessible resources. Also for an effective team, I think that the, the team members need to know that you care, you know, that you really do care about them. And that that's whether it's a student staff member, it's a full time staff member or if it's a peer, um, if it's your superior, your supervisor. You know, if if you care that you really care about them as people and that you are caring about taking care of your customers. Did you have any particular ways to demonstrate your care on a regular basis or was it on a kind of employee-employee basis, depending on what their needs were? One of the things I enjoyed, always enjoyed most was just interacting with the people. So um, getting to know their names and that was that was a real challenge as team <laughs> kept changing and we had close to 200 full-time staff members and there was a time when I knew everybody's name. One of the things I really enjoyed was side by side where I would go out to the unit and work alongside the staff member. So I would get to share um, service with Laura at the grill or at the the service line and get to spend time with them as individuals. And they would train me. So that was good because, okay, how do you make the deli sandwiches here? And then I'd get to make the sandwiches and work with them. So they would train me and they would help me. <laughs> and sometimes they'd pull me out of a mess. But <laughs> it, it was a good time that I could learn from them and, and establish some of those individual relationships with the people. Wow. Same was taking care of customers, serving alongside student staff or serving that customer myself. 
it was really, really helpful and kept in touch with the customer as well as what was going on in the units. Oh, what a great practice. I just think about if I was that, that student worker and having the, the leader of that department, of that organization sitting there next to me making that deli sandwich. That's a testament to um, to truly just a great leader, Julaine. So I want to applaud you again there because that to me, knowing that my leader has my back um, and that is willing to be boots on the ground and do exactly what I'm doing says a lot about not only you as a leader, but as this team that I'm on, this organization I'm working for, and certainly I think would would help motivate me to want to stick around. So a great practice. Thank you, Brianna. You would have been a good team member. Uh, I I appreciate it. Well, Julaine, I want to, as we start running short on time here, uh, what other suggestions or tips do you have for our listeners when we're thinking about developing these effective teams? I would say for a leader to develop an effective team, they've got to like people. It, it's a people business. If, if you want to be to lead a team, you're probably not going to do that at the computer. And that would have been very, very difficult during the COVID isolation to try to lead a team remote. Be very, very difficult very difficult. So I, I, I really applaud people who are able to do that. Uh, I think the, the value of relationships, the value, shared values, the ability to communicate effectively, to work together to create the vision, but establishing that vision and then communicating to take the people along with you to reach that vision. Then working with the staff members or with that team on how are you going to reach that vision. How are we going to do it? What are the steps? How can we do that? And that applies to, um, we've got a a meal to develop, okay? Or let's say there's a team and they're developing a program. Um, Maybe it's not dining. Maybe it's, you know, like MTI. We're going to develop this training program. How are we going to do it? What's the vision? Or it might be as simple as, Oh, we're going to create a menu for today. Or here's the menu for today. How are we going to make sure that it gets done? You've got your role. You've got your role. You've got your role. Bringing it all together. How do we get that meal in front of the customer? How do we give them these various options? What are we going to do differently with the salad bar for next year? What are we going to, um, how are we going to prepare the desserts? Whatever it might be. It's a dining room clean mm-hmm. to effectively handle all those dishes that come back in the dish room. What's a better idea? Everybody can contribute. Absolutely. Absolutely. So creating those opportunities where everyone can contribute and really feels valued in the work that they're doing, understands the impact of, of the work they're doing. Just to recap some of the points I've heard from you today. So the other thing, Julian, I know you are an active reader. So any good reads that you, you've you uh, gone through recently? Uh, I just finished Taste, My Life Through Food by Stanley Tucci. Awesome, awesome book. I would and written with his great sense of humor. So I would encourage anybody who's interested in a good read to pick up that book and just try it. It isn't as much about leadership as it's about enjoyment of food. 
Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for that recommendation, Julaine. And thank you so very much again for your time on this podcast. Again, it's uh, Julaine Keen. She's a former Campus Dining Services Director, now uh, fondly retired, enjoying uh, lots of all those hobbies she got to pick back up. So, Julaine, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's been my honor and privilege. All right. And uh, for all of our listeners out there, if uh, you are interested in maybe providing some leadership insights, if you want to be a part of the podcast, uh, engage with us. Let us know you're listening. Let us know what topics you have at the forefront of your mind. You can do so at mti at missouri.edu. And until next time, I'll take it from Ray and say, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.